Good evening. Welcome to College Hoops Chat. Hi, everybody. How you doing? Getting ready for the college basketball season, right, folks? It starts tomorrow. I'm Jim Maysano, your host, College Hoops Chat Radio Show, here on WVOX 1460 AM. Hope you're doing fine, and hope you're getting ready for tomorrow. So this is our College Basketball Eve tip-off show. So tomorrow, there are games, official college basketball games. So let's start close to home with Iona College. Iona College, our local team, is playing tomorrow night on campus at Iona College in New Rochelle. They're playing Appalachian State. Appalachian State's a good team. This is now not a cupcake game for Iona College. Uh, App State was 17-11 and 11 last year in a borderline NCAA tournament team uh, by almost winning their conference. They're currently ranked about 170, 142 in the nation by these organizations, these websites that rank all 358 teams. So they're kind of a mid-level team in America, but Iona is kind of in the same range. So uh, if you go tomorrow to the Iona game, I think you will find a very exciting basketball game against Appalachian State. Saturday, Iona is playing Harvard this Saturday at 1 p.m. Harvard did not play last year. Harvard was um, off for the season because they closed the Ivy League down, if you remember, which is kind of a weird thing that happened. So, uh, but they're a team that's ranked about 190 in one poll, 109 in another. It's kind of a big spread, but that's another challenge for Iona. That's not a cupcake game, Harvard. Then in the third game of the season, a week from tomorrow, Iona plays Hofstra. And Hofstra's ranked 168, 132. So as you can see, uh, with Iona being ranked in the hundreds on the different rankings across the country, these are all challenges for Iona. Uh, I hope Iona wins all three games. I'm looking forward to Iona winning all three games. I will be at all three games, but all three games will be tough. Iona opens three games at home to start the season. Again, Appalachian State tomorrow, Harvard on Saturday, Hofstra next Tuesday. And then they go on the road. Iona, uh, after Tuesday next week, November 16th against Hofstra, uh, Iona will be on the road. They play one game in early December and then uh, New Year's Eve for Iona. All right? So if you want to get over there tomorrow. Now, while everybody is not talking about the Iona College game like I am, what are they talking about? Well, tomorrow is the Champions Classic. And I have to tell you, Pretty unbelievable games. To start the season tomorrow night, four Blue Blood programs are playing each other at Madison Square Garden tomorrow night. You have Kansas and Michigan State. That game starts first at 7 o'clock. Um, and then the second game, uh, I think starting around 9.30, is Duke and Kentucky. Well, let's face it, folks. If you get your pad and pen out, and I tell you to start writing down uh, the best college basketball programs. Uh, those four teams playing tomorrow night at the Garden are probably going to be in your top eight. Clearly your top ten. Maybe your top six. Again, the first game is Michigan State and Kansas. And the second game is Duke and Kentucky. Now, uh, some interesting things to think about when you watch these games tomorrow night. I would like to see... Paulo Banchero play. Now, I don't know if you heard that name, Paulo Banchero, but you will. Uh, he's either the first or second 
best freshman in America playing for Duke. Okay, uh, he's six foot ten, inside outside force, uh, who's in the mix to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. So I understand that he recently played against Villanova in a scrimmage uh, and had twenty nine points and twelve rebounds in the scrimmage. Uh, Paulo Banchero may be not only the best freshman in America, he could be the best player in college basketball. So when you watch Duke tomorrow night, that's somebody to key in on, okay? Um, other guys to think about tomorrow night, uh, when you're watching the game, Kansas has Remy Martin in that first game with Michigan State. Remy Martin had 19.1 uh, points per game last year, uh, 3.7 assists playing for Arizona State. Now he's with Kansas now, he's a really good player, and he's also older. I, I think he's like 22 years old. So this guy has a lot of experience, someone to keep an eye on. Um, one thing to think about in the Duke-Kentucky game. As we know, in the last decade or so, Duke and Kentucky have went with the one-and-done strategy, meaning that they just recruited four or five of the best freshmen in America and then maybe there's one or two sophomore stayed from the previous year, but they just rolled out this young team with massive t- NBA talent and hoped that they would play well and win the national championship. Well, it hasn't really worked. You know, in uh, the last five or six years, I, I remember the last year where one of them won, but uh, it hasn't been working. They've been getting knocked out in the tournament. Maybe they win a few rounds in the NCAA tournament. Last year, neither one made the NCAA tournament. Neither one, which is like shocking, right? A, a national championship tournament without Duke and Kentucky? Well, it happened last year. And the reason it happened last year is that the, without any kind of preseason because of COVID, one and done absolutely didn't work. I mean, it's one thing to have a team of freshmen, but to have a team of freshmen that didn't really get to practice because of COVID uh, really hurt Kentucky and Duke last year. So Duke rolls out this year with... Same old strategy. That's the last year for Coach Gay. Uh, this is uh, his retirement year, so it'd be interesting to see how Duke uh, performs and reacts to the retirement. Um, you got to imagine they're going to be pretty pumped up all year for Coach K. But he's rolling out three major freshmen on the Duke team. I mean, big-time freshmen, like freshmen everybody in America would want on their team. Uh, the names are Paulo uh, Banchuro, a White Plains native, A.J. Griffin, and a guy named Trevor Keels. So Duke has some big-time uh, freshmen. So they're going with the old one-and-done strategy in Coach K's last year. But Kentucky is not. Kentucky brought a bunch of transfers in, all right? Uh, they they still have a, uh, some big-time freshman recruits, don't get me wrong. But a guy like C.J. Frederick came is coming from Iowa. If you saw Iowa last year, C.J. Frederick can shoot. Uh, Kellen Grady from Davidson, another really good uh, shooter. And they also got... Uh, Savar Wheeler from Georgia, and 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 um, they also have a five-star freshman like Paulo Banchero called Ty Ty Washington. So uh, loaded team, loaded team on Kentucky. But this year, rather than go with all freshmen, they brought in transfers. They used the transfer portal, and I believe I'm saying it here tonight on the tip-off show before the season uh, starts that I think Kentucky will be a better team. Because they're older, more mature, uh, and they don't have they didn't go exclusively with the one and done strategy. So let's see what happens tomorrow night. First game is Michigan State and Kansas. 
And the second game will be Kentucky and Duke. I'll be back at home that game. First game, I'm going to be at Iona to watch Iona take on Appalachian State. So uh, it's very exciting. It's going to be uh, a, a great night uh, here in New Rochelle when Iona opens up their season to defend uh, their MAC championship. And uh, But then I'll race home tomorrow night to watch uh, Duke and Kentucky play. I'll have to tape uh, the first game, Kansas and um, uh, Michigan State. Michigan State's interesting. I didn't really mention them, but Michigan State's kind of an odd team, you know? Uh, they, uh, Michigan State is, is a team that um, has not played that well the last couple of years, and I'm a little surprised by that. I wonder if uh, Tom Izzo's having trouble getting the big uh, recruits. So, um, all right, so I think our guest has called, Pat Kennedy. Uh, Coach Pat Kennedy, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Well, Coach, thank you so much for calling. Uh, uh, You've always been a favorite on our show. Last season, you called every month, and we thank you for that. And we thank you for calling tonight. And I have some questions for our former coach tonight. How's that, Coach? That's great. Fire away. Fire away. That's what you say all the time. All right. So our first thing, a couple of people uh, have said to me in the last 24 hours when they heard you on the show, what's it like to be a coach the night before your opening tip-off? What's going through your mind? What are you doing? Are you with the team? Are you with the coaches? Are you just home with your family? What's it like before opening day? Well, there's a number of things. Number one, most coaches will have a little bit of their own ritual. Uh, For me, I always enjoyed going out to dinner with my family the night before the opening game, only to know that that was about it. I was going to be overwhelmed with work on a 24-7, seven-day-a-week scenario. So I always took that time uh, to be with my family. Other coaches obviously uh, may may do some other things. You've already spent all this time practice-wise with your players, so it's almost a time where you want to take a deep breath and let them get some free time uh, away as well. Uh, and then there's always just your regular night before that game preparation. Are you going to have a team meeting? Or are you going to go over film? Depending on who you're playing. Now, the difference, Jim, is normally in your earlier games, you may be playing teams that you don't normally play. So you may not have as much, uh, you know, scouting information on that particular team. Uh, but, I, you know, I work for Jim Valvano, for those great Iona fans that remember Jimmy and great basketball College fans remember him. And Jimmy had a great quote that you live 365 days a year for basically 32 nights when you suit up. And he would always say that the 32 nights you suit up, it's like a, it's like a Broadway show. You know, that's your one shot. You either do great or you, or you lay, or you lay the egg. So, um, you know, Jim made, I tell you, winning for us was great. Losing was death. Uh, and I know people might see, say, boy, that sounds awfully extreme, but if you spoke to Coach Patino, he'd probably tell you the same thing. These 32 nights are what it's all about. So uh, so it's the start of another season. You get fired up, uh, and you evaluate your team, where they're at, and where you hope to take them. Okay, so you led me into question two beautifully. So somebody uh, suggested I ask this question. I think it's a good one. So... And maybe the answer, by the way, is different from when you coached Iona and maybe DePaul as compared to Florida State. When you were thinking about your season the day before opening day, were you thinking that you had to go uh, 
guns blazing from the first minute, try to win every minute of every game? Or was there any kind of thinking like, you know, let's not, let's go a little slower in November, see what I have here, you know, play 10 guys, let's see what we got. Um, or were you worried that if you lost too many games in November, December, it might hold you back from the NCAA tournament? How did you kind of, were you thinking about pacing or was it guns blazing? No, it was guns blazing. And let me tell you why, Jim and Iona, we had no room for error. So if you're at a low major uh, to mid-major and you're trying to position yourself to possibly get an NCAA at-large bid, uh, you couldn't run the risk. So all your experiment, experimentation, your players, et cetera, was kind of over with. Now, during the course of the year, yeah, you try to maybe play 10 guys, see if you're going to have a pressing team that you utilize or a big rebounding team at the end of the game if you have the lead. There's different types of styles of teams within your team that you'll have organized and try to use them accordingly. But you don't start experimenting with your kids uh, once you start playing. Now, when I was at Florida State, or if you're at a top 20 program and you're playing a lesser team, you may say in your mind, if we're going to be good, we need to beat this team by 30. And that's not to be obnoxious, but that's just the truth of it. Like when I was at Florida State, if we were playing Jacksonville, we better beat them pretty handily, right? Or else people would be wondering where we're headed. Um, so, no, you, I think you put your feet to the floor. Let that develop within a game. If within a game you get a 20-point lead, then put your other guys in there. But there's no room for error. Now, in the NBA, and Rick could speak to this, Coach Rick Pitino could speak to this better than I can because you, in the NBA you're playing so many games. But in college, you've got to make every game uh, be a masterpiece. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Now, um, you, you you go through training camp starting September through through October now, and they start early in November. I think they started later in your day, but now they start the beginning of November. Did you feel like you worked out all the kinks in the practice sessions in September and uh, October, or when you get on the floor in the beginning of the season, the first five games, do you see, hey, maybe this defense we're going to play isn't working, or maybe i got to free up this guy a little bit more uh, for three-pointers. Are you making adjustments in the first month as well? Absolutely, and you're learning about your team. Uh, that's why I always love the preseason. You know, we played in the Great Alaskan Shootout uh, six different times during the course of my career, I think that we played in it more than anybody except for Purdue and Gene Cady was at Purdue. He played in it five or six times. But I used to love the early season tournaments because you would experiment and find out more about your team. And as as you know, Jim, you, you've been around it enough to know that you've got some guys who are practice players and you have some guys that are game players, right? Uh, maybe a guy that's struggling with practice, all of a sudden you put him in, he hits three threes in a row, uh, and you start to learn that, hey, this youngster may be more of a gamer than a practice player. But, yeah, that definitely happens as well as figuring out, you know, sometimes you have your, your man-to-man defense and you've drilled certain principles and you're playing a team and you think you got to do A, B, C, or D, and then you realize, hey, guys, you know, we can't guard these guys. They're too quick for us. And they beat us off the dribble and they get inside of our defense. So, yeah, ultimately you learn a little bit about your team. And you definitely do that. Uh, before you get in league play, because once you get in league play, man, you gotta pretty much have all your systems down and be, be ready to go with the way you want to play. Right, right. So our, our mutual friend Vin Parisi tells me that um, in a college basketball practice, the players make a lot more shots 
than they do in the games. They're loose, they're relaxed in the gym when they're practicing, but they get in the game, some guys tighten up. No question. We used to call it tight sneakers. You tight know? sneakers. How about uh, that? You know, it, it used to, we used to drive us nuts where a guy would never miss a foul shot in practice. Then all of a sudden you get you put him in a game, he gets his chance, and he goes one for five. And those four that he missed were crucial. And uh, it was a complete curveball because you thought the kid could really shoot foul shots well. So, yeah, there's no question that guys do get uh, what we used to call tight sneakers. Uh, and, again, that you have to learn when you get into game situations. Absolutely. All right, so you mentioned that you loved playing those early season tournaments. Uh, Iona's going to play five games in a row in late November in tournaments. They're going to open. The first one is called the um, Mac uh, Atlantic Sun Challenge, and they open up on Friday, November 19th against Liberty, who's a very strong team. I don't know if you caught them last year, Coach, but it's a very uh, solid program. That'll be a tough game for Iona. They're going to learn a lot about their team that night. Oh, yeah, no, Liberty is kind of really uh, falling into the uh, to the mid-major level. Uh, Liberty as a university has grown tremendously over the years. I mean, uh, I, I played prep school basketball down in the state of Virginia at Stanton Military Academy, and Liberty was just a small college when I was down there. Uh, now it's really grown into a major university. They just lost uh, a BCS football game the other night. 21 to 14. So they, they've, they've come a long, long way. And uh, the coach there has done a great job. He stayed. He's got a terrific system. So, yeah, that Liberty game is going to be a very – that's going to be one of maybe I, – I don't know the whole Iona schedule, but Liberty could be one of their tougher uh, opponents on their whole schedule. Pat, let my son goes to the University of South Carolina. I think I've told you that. And last year, you know, it's a great program, Frank Martin. Uh, they, one of their early games was Liberty, and they lost. Liberty went to, went and beat South Carolina. I mean, it's a really good program. They certainly could beat Iona. Oh, yeah, there's no question about that. All right, we're going to jump. 2021 is the ESPN Events Invitational, November 25, 26, and 28. Iona's first game is the same team that beat them in the NCAA tournament. We know they're probably a top-five team, Alabama. The second night, they play the winner of Belmont and Drake, and uh, but I, I know for sure, I've done some research, both Belmont and Drake are really top mid-majors. Uh, both teams uh, were the type of team that almost could have got an at-large bid last year in the NCAA tournament. Um, so you got Alabama and then Belmont or Drake. Again, real test for Iona. Yeah, and of course, you know, Rick, Rick is really working towards building Iona uh, up to the, to the highest heights he can get them to. So uh, he, he's going to expect his young men to compete. And he's certainly going to expect to win some of those basketball games. But what I respect with what, what Rick is doing is he's going to really test his guys. So, you know, you go through a stretch of Liberty and, and uh, Alabama and, and teams of that nature, uh, and, and if you can fare well or win some Ws, it should prepare you to be one of the stronger clubs in the MAC, which, of course, uh, that, that should always be Iona's goal. Uh, you know, when Jimmy and I built it the way we built it, we built it to not accept losing anybody. I mean, we beat Louisville. We beat Kansas. Uh, when I took over as head coach, we beat UNLV. Uh, you know, we beat Arizona State. We beat Georgia Tech. I mean, we we were, not to say overly cocky, but we didn't just play those teams to play them. We played them because we felt that we could beat them. So uh, Rick's preparing his team, and, and I think that's a very, very challenging schedule for them. Does it matter at all in recruiting 
when when top recruits see that you play these big games in November and December? Is that a little help? Oh, yeah. And, of course, the thing that I own is done by just hiring Rick Pitino is that they've totally uh, elevated their recruiting posture. Uh, and and the, those assistants, uh, heck, I, I wouldn't mind being an assistant for Rick. He, he, he would be pretty easy to sell. A guy that coached the Celtics and coached the Knicks and Louisville and Kentucky with national championships under his belt. And he knows how to develop players. So if, so if you're a youngster that wants to get a really good education, and if you're a youngster that wants to go challenge himself about playing at the next level, playing at Iona and playing for Rick Pitino is very, very attractive. Um, so, um, so I, I think they're, they're raising, he's got one of the best recruiters in the country in Tommy Batamarco. So they're, they're going to raise their recruiting heights to, to a very high level. All right, coach. One last question as we wind down to eight thirty. a lot of people on the talk shows in the last, uh, two days, I was tuning in some of the podcasts and talk shows on college basketball. Everyone's talking about this Kentucky Duke game tomorrow night at nine thirty at Madison Square Garden. I imagine that's a game you thought about a little bit. Yeah, I think this is going to be a great farewell season to probably, uh, you'd probably have to say John Wooden is the greatest coach of all time, but Mike Krzyzewski certainly would be a clear number two, in my opinion, totally above Dean Smith or Bobby Knight or any of the other ones. So Mike is is one of the greatest coaches of all time. Uh, He's always loved coaching in Madison Square Garden, uh, going back to obviously his days uh, at Army. And uh, obviously, Kentucky's got to show that they're uh, that they're in position to make a comeback. You know, John struggled last year. That was a very uncharacteristic John Calipari Kentucky team. I think Kentucky's a team to really watch this year. I, I think they're going to bounce back big time. Southeastern Conference is not as strong as it's been. Uh, so yeah, so that's just going to be a great game tomorrow night. And tomorrow night is a lot of people don't realize it. Tomorrow night is the opening night. For all of college basketball, we've waited for this for a long time. The final four this year. Uh-oh. Blockbuster year, and uh, that game at 9.30 in the Garden tomorrow night is a great way to tip it off. Absolutely. So, uh, Pat, I'm going tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at Siona against Appalachian State, which is going to be a good game, and I'm going to run to my house in the Rochelle a few miles from Iona to watch Duke and Kentucky, so it's going to be a great night tomorrow. I imagine you'll be doing similar things tomorrow night. Absolutely, and of course, I'll be watching Holy Cross for my son coaches. So that's uh, that's one of our favorite teams here in the Kennedy household, along with Florida State and DePaul and Montana and Towson, all the, all the places I've coached at. All right, Pat, I'm going to root for Holy Cross then, too. Pat, thank you so much. As always, great job. All right, Jim, great to you. You do a great job. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, that's Coach Pat Kennedy. Great interview. Uh, We're going to the commercial break, folks, and we'll be back second half of the show.
Okay, folks, we are back on College Hoops Chat. I am the host, Jim Maysano. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Hope you're as excited as we are for the start of the college basketball season tomorrow. It's going to be great fun. Again, I'm going to be over at Iona College at 7 o'clock watching the Iona College Gales play Appalachian State, and I'm running home to see Duke, Kentucky, and by the way, any other game I can watch. I'm sure I'll have my DVR going to tape a couple of games tomorrow night. All right, I believe on the phone line we have our number one caller, Kenny from Rye. Are you there? James, how you doing? How you doing tonight? You ready for basketball? I am, I am. I'll be there tomorrow night with you. Sounds great. Um, so, all right, so when you think about the college basketball season, what makes you uh, excited? What's uh, getting you pumped up? Well, I think it's great to have fans back in the stands. I mean, I think that's the big difference. I mean, from a perspective of uh, the classic arenas, like you mentioned with Villanova playing UCLA, Pauley Pavilion, I think the fans in the, in the stands make a big difference from a perspective of giving that home team that actual, you know, home court advantage. So I think that's really good, and I think we're going to find that out firsthand tomorrow night with Iona College, you know, in a gym that really hasn't been used in its current form much, and so we'll have to see how that home court um, situation plays out for them. Yeah, that's right. So when Iona's uh, first season in the new gym, going back uh... – uh, in 2019-2020 season, mm-hmm. um, that was not a great season for Iona, right? They um, they kind of uh, sh- uh, struggled that year, um, uh, and the season ended a little bit early. They were like a 500 team, and you could tell the, the attendance was lacking a little bit. Last year, when Coach Patino came in, they played a lot better. Um, there was no fans. They weren't allowed to have <laughs> fans at any game all season. So now here's the first shot right down the street at Iona College to see uh, the impact of fans. I'm hoping they sell out the game, and I hope the fans are really loud for the Iona College Gales tomorrow night. Yeah, I think they will. They've upticked everything. They said they've upticked the food. You know, they're obviously trying to market the uh, school so much better. You've seen the big billboard on 95. Um, so I think it, it, it's going to be a great season. And obviously with uh, Coach Patino there, it's going to make a big, big difference. And so hopefully that, that atmosphere will um, we'll see that firsthand tomorrow night. The other thing I get excited about in a new basketball season is seeing some of these freshmen that everybody's talking about. You know, like I, I can't wait to see tomorrow night uh, Paulo Banchero, uh, the freshman playing for Duke. I mean, all I read about is how incredible he is and how he's uh, a potential number one draft pick in the NBA draft. And I'm dying to see him play tomorrow night. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, a guy like Chet Holmgren. Uh, some people say, uh, also say he's the best uh, freshman in America this year. He's playing for Gonzaga. He's a big guy. And or another guy like Amani Bates, who uh, playing from Memphis, uh, people are raving about him. And Jalen Duran, Memphis has got two of the best players as freshmen uh, this year. So I'm going to look forward to seeing some of these freshmen and seeing how they adjust uh, in the early season with their new teams in college. Yeah, I think also it's going to be interesting to see very quickly within the first, let's say, three to six games, particularly because many of these schools, these big schools in particular, have big games. Is it going to be continuity? Is it going to be freshmen and continuity? Is it going to be transfers? And as you mentioned, Kentucky is a going down the transfer road, obviously from a perspective of getting the outside shooting. Obviously, that's where he felt there was a big issue for them. And then Duke kind of staying the more traditional route of freshmen and then obviously the people they've had on the, on the team. And then you've got the great continuity of all of them, Villanova you know, and UCLA, who are bringing back you know, basically most of the points uh, from last year. So it'll be very, very interesting. And I think as they go along, like we've seen in college football, you know, the success we see of these teams or how and how they've treated this new transfer rule 
uh, and either embraced it, like Kentucky, as you mentioned, and Texas, um, or kind of flirted with it. And, and so I think what we're going to see is, you know, that either fall because of lack of continuity and, and trying to gel all these new players from all these different schools, or it works. And if it does work, then you're going to see a, a big change come the spring. So I'm impressed uh, with Calipari at Kentucky, and I'll tell you why. So he had always been, he's like the inventor to some degree of the one-and-done strategy. For all those years, he brought in you know, three or four of the top ten players in America down to Kentucky. He did get one national championship, but he didn't win a whole bunch of other years, even though he had some of the best athletes. This year, uh, Calipari said, all right, I'm going to try a different way. Uh, my young players haven't been shooting well in the last few years, and uh, I didn't really have uh, a floor general point guard. So we brought in Kellen Grady from Davidson, C.J. Frederick from Iowa, uh, Savar Wheeler from Georgia, and uh, he's also got his usual five-star freshman, Ty Ty Washington. But he decided to go a different direction, Coach Calipari. you got to respect him for saying, hey, maybe what I'm doing isn't working lately, and he's trying it a different way with more veteran players. I, I think he's going to turn out to be right. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if you, you know, I know Kentucky gets an enormous amount of hype, and, and but Villanova has been more successful than they have been over the last handful of years. That's just a fact. Yep. And so the fact is the way that Jay has run the program by developing the culture, developing, developing players, and getting them to at least play, you know, one or two years, uh, and not coming in with the fact that is is, and I think Calipari would would agree. He brought in kids that said, you, you're getting one year, and then I'm going to recruit over you. So your spot, you're going to lose your spot after sophomore year. So you're out whether you like it or not. And so that obviously didn't work, as you said. So now he's also gone the way of the new world of, you know, the three-point shooting. He did not have that, and a lot of freshmen come in and are a little tight. And so he's gone to, as you say, transfers with good experience and tried to spread out the court a little bit. So I'm thinking Kentucky beats Duke tomorrow night because they got more veteran players, but let's see what happens on the court. So not only do we have tomorrow night Kentucky, Duke, and Kansas and Michigan State, the only bummer for Kansas is Jalen Wilson, maybe their best player, isn't going to be there tomorrow night, or unless they got Remy Martin, but he's not going to play Jalen Wilson. That's a bummer. So we'll see how that plays out. But we got some other really good games. You just mentioned Villanova. I'm really looking forward on the 12th, uh, November 12th, you got Villanova at UCLA. That's an awfully interesting game, huh? Absolutely. And it, it goes back to the point we were talking about before. There's two teams that are bringing back the vast majority of their players as well as the vast majority of their points. And so you've got two incredibly seasoned teams that clearly have aspirations not only in the Final Four but of the national championship. And I think those are realistic aspirations as well. So I think that, that out of the game is probably the best game overall in my opinion. I think UCLA's great. They brought back all their scorers. Uh, they brought in some freshmen. They brought in a transfer. I think UCLA is absolutely loaded. Uh, but I also think Villanova's brought four of the best, most mature, most all-around players in the country back. So that's going to be a terrific game, Villanova at UCLA. But the following day, uh, a very interesting game also in Texas at Gonzaga on November 13th. Uh, you got Texas, which is like a whole team of transfers, only like one or two guys back, but all really big-time transfers playing against Gonzaga, who not only brings Drew Timmy back, but they got Chad Holmgren, uh, maybe the best freshman. So two of the best big men in America are on Gonzaga. Gonzaga's loaded as well. That's going to be an interesting game because I'm not sure Texas can incorporate all these transfers so quickly, but we will see. It's interesting because... 
a lot of people, and there's a couple of big articles out on Texas, and everybody loves this coach, Beard, you know, from a perspective of bringing all these players in, bringing all these stars in, you know, from a transfer perspective. And he did an incredible job at selling that. And so, as I say, it's going to go to the point of, can you get that many people coming to a team and then creating them to, to be a team versus having just their own agendas? And then we're going to find that out uh, on Saturday, I think, very quickly. So what you just said, the perfect question, I'm sorry, the perfect game would be Villanova against Texas. You had a team of continuity against a team of all transfers, big time players, but all transfers. That would be an interesting game to see in the first week. Yeah, absolutely. And then you got UCLA and Kentucky, kind of the same situation. Sure, sure. Uh, The other interesting game I've been kind of focusing on is in the first week of the season, uh, well, eleven twenty. So that is uh, twelve days from now. At Mohegan Sun, you've got Villanova against Tennessee, according to Ken Palm, number five versus number twenty. And then uh, you have the second game is number fifteen UNC North Carolina Tar Heels against number eleven Purdue. Talk about a great doubleheader to start uh, early season college basketball. That's even nearby, folks. You can drive up to Mohegan Sun on uh, November twentieth and check that one out. Yeah, I mean, that's a great lineup, and that's a great arena, too. I know that fairly well for my daughter going up to school in that area. Yeah, it's a great place to watch college basketball, and they've done a really, really good job of um, marketing themselves as a destination for these type of tournaments, and you can see by the names they're getting. So I think those, those, are, those are great early season tournaments. And, again, as Coach Kennedy mentioned, it, it gives you a sense of where you are very quickly. Even though you make adjustments, um, you're going to find out pretty quickly who you are against the best teams, and you know, and who the best teams are, and you know, in the first couple of weeks, I think. I agree. And one other game that looks real fun um, is on November 26th. That's a couple of weeks away. But how about this one, Gonzaga versus Duke in Vegas? How about that one? <laughs> Made for TV, as we know. That's a great Gonzaga, basketball game. Gonzaga has to do this, though, from a perspective of you know, as we all know, they they leave the early season games and they get into the Western Conference and, and then it turns into, you know, somewhat, you know, particularly for the bottom third of that division, it turns into a route. So th- this is typically what they do and it's worked out very, very, very well for them. But I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, two great teams in Las Vegas. I mean, you couldn't ask for, you know, a better weekend to have uh, not only a reason to go out to Las Vegas, but also watching college basketball as well. So let's go close to home to finish up your segment, Kenny from Rye. And we're, you and I are going tomorrow night. Uh, the CD Iona College Gales. Uh, we know that Dylan Van Eyck, uh, their kind of do-everything forward, who's uh, mature and smart and a really good player, is out. That's a bummer. That's a big loss for them. And uh, we're not sure about um, uh, Barrick John, John Lois. So um, that's another interest. So we don't know if he's playing tomorrow night. I, I really haven't got a straight answer on that one. What do you think about the Gales? Yeah, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, the, I, you know, Dylan Van Eyck is going to be missed somewhat. But I think the most interesting thing is, and you, you know, we, you and I discussed this, and I think it was pretty obvious that Quinn, Quinn Zalinski was the best player on the court the other night in the exhibition. So I'm interested to see what, how he plays, how many, how many minutes he gets. And then I think it's going to be the same. It's going to be Nella Jr. Joseph. I think a joiner is going to start at the point guard. And I think they can fill in the rest of them to figure out where they are. But I have a feeling that those three in particular are going to play the majority of the minutes. And then we'll see, as you say, as, as Patino adjusts during the game on who's playing well, and we'll see players coming and go, go in and go out because he has no problem uh, sh- um, shuffling people. It is interesting that two of, it's possible that tomorrow night two of their seven-man rotation 
uh, will not be playing. But it's going to be a tough game for Iona. Let's not make no mistake about it, fans. Iona's got a tough game tomorrow against Appalachian State. Yeah, we look forward to seeing everybody there. It's going to be good to have everybody back in uh, watching the game live. All right. Kenny from Raleigh, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. See you tomorrow night. Thanks, James. All right, folks, that's Kenny from Ryan. We're going to our commercial break. We come back, final segment of the show. We're taking phone calls now for the final segment of the show. 914-636-0110. Give us a call. Everything you need to get started in the morning. Every morning. Good morning, Westchester, with Dennis and Tommy. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9, right here on 1460 WVOX. 1460 WVOX. Okay, folks, it's Jim Massano on College Hoops Chat. We're in our final segment of the show. If anybody wants to give us a buzz, the number here is 914-636-0110. And we do have a caller on the line. It's Patrick who called last week. We're happy to have him back. Patrick, how you doing tonight? Hey, Jim, how's it going? I'm doing great. Thank you for uh, the return call to the show. So tomorrow's opening day. What are you thinking about? Uh... I, I, I'm not, I, I guess maybe because I'm, I'm sort of numb to it. I'm not as big on the champions classic stuff, but at six 30, uh, FS one is doing, uh, the biggest version of the red zone where they're going to go out to seven different games. They're going to go out to Xavier. They're going to go out to St. John's. I think there's a trip to Pro- I think they're going to Providence and, and Connecticut. And they're just going to bounce in from game to game and sort of like give you a feel for how seven different teams are starting the season out tomorrow night. That is so interesting. I did not know that. Now I'm really glad you called the show. Um, unfortunately, the problem is there's so much going on tomorrow night. It's so hard to watch everything. That's why this show on FS1 is almost perfect. Absolutely. And it, it's, it's probably going to be something you'll see repeated by some other conferences. You could definitely see the ACC do it with an opening day or the Big Ten or, or conferences like that where if you're a fan or if you're a fan of basketball in general, you just watch. You get a few minutes, you get a feel for how teams are playing, and then you know, and, the, and then you go on and see another team playing. Like you know, get to see Xavier. It let's say it's six thirty, and then you get to see St. John's at seven thirty, uh, and get a feel for where teams are fitting in, how they're starting the season out, and so on and so forth. I agree. You know, I have a bunch of teams I root for, and it's going to be impossible, obviously, to watch them all. I mean, I'm a big St. John's fan, uh, but I'm going to the Iona game tomorrow night. Um, also, I went to St. Bonaventure. They've got a terrific team this year, uh, they're, and they're playing an interesting team for Iona fans locally here uh, in the New York metropolitan area because they're in the MAC conference. They're playing Siena. That's an interesting game, St. Bonaventure against Siena. Absolutely. The people at St. Bonaventure are fired up for their season. They're ranked for the first time in 50 years. Uh, they're expecting to go a little bit further than they did in the NCAA tournament. And the flip side, Siena has... Uh, has notions of possibly getting back into the NCAA tournament for the first time in a while. Uh, so they're hoping to put up a good showing against the St. Bonaventure team, which might give them some momentum when they start MAC play uh, later in December. I don't know what to think of Siena. There's so much turnover on that team. I really don't know what you're going to get. Heck, they might be great. They might be a little flat. They might need a little time to come gel, come together, gel as a team. 
Uh, I think they're going to have a tough time tomorrow night with St. Bonaventure. So, uh, St. John's, uh, are you a St. John's fan, Patrick? I'm a Seton Hall fan. Oh, that's even better. We haven't had a Seton Hall fan. Well, that's why, you th- I think that's why you threw me on last week, but that's okay. <laughs> no, it was perfect. We were glad. I'm glad you called. Um, so you're a Seton Hall fan. Who are they playing tomorrow? Uh, Wednesday, they're playing Fairleigh Dickinson. Okay, so you got a, another Jersey team for their first game. They're not playing. Oh, so you got a you got a free pass from your favorite team tomorrow night. Well, yes, but they, yeah, they're playing on Wednesday. So you know, and then they got a then they got an interesting matchup on Sunday against Yale. Uh, Yale's good. Yale Yale will give them a game. I mean, obviously Seton Hall's the better team, but you, you're not going to walk in there and blow Yale out. They play smart. You know, team basketball. It's interesting about Harvard and Yale. Iona plays them too is what are they going to be like if they're sitting out for a year? Yeah, one of the things uh, that I've heard about some of those Ivy League teams is how much talent they bled last season because the players didn't get a chance to play. So in, in one sense, coaches like Tom, Tom, Tommy Amaker at Harvard and uh, Jim Jones at Yale are sort of rebuilding their rosters because they lost so much talent. And then, of course, they had the issue where they're not allowed to take in graduate players. Wow. Some of those super seniors that you're seeing at places like Villanova and you know some of the teams that you talked about with all the experience coming in, Harvard and Yale can't do that. Once you graduate, you can't. Harvard and Yale will not take you to play basketball. So, but you know the Ivies have always done things their way to begin with. So, sure, we'll see how that plays out this year. I remember uh, reading articles last year in the season of all the Ivy League players that jumped into the transfer portal because they didn't play. They're the only Division One conference that didn't play last year. All right, let's take another look at one of uh, the teams I'm focusing on. Now, Iona's going to have a tough game against Appalachian State. I think I think Iona's going to be really pumped up. The first time the fans can go out and root for Coach Patino, I think the gym will be lively tomorrow. But App State's a tough team. Absolutely. I mean, I, it's something where that's the type of matchup that Iona probably does not want to lose. I mean, I don't know what their realistic shot of getting an at-large bid, but there's a lot of talk about you want to stay out of that 15 and 16 seed range if you happen to win the MAC this season. You want to hopefully get into the 12 and 13 seed range where you're playing a more manageable first-round matchup. I mean, Iona had to play Alabama last year, and you know, as good as Iona was, and they made that a good game for 30 minutes, Alabama just had too much talent. So you don't want to lose. You don't want to have a not so great non-conference so that you're stuck at a 15-16 seed, and unfortunately that would draw you against a team like Gonzaga or a team like Michigan or a team like you know Villanova or somebody like that. You want to get into that 12 and 13 range where you're playing somebody from the middle of a big conference who you may have a better shot at knocking off and getting to the second round. So the other college basketball analysts uh, who cover Iona closely – Guys like Guy Filatico and Jaden Daly, we, we've talked about this, and we all agree, uh, and from what we hear, uh, the coaching staff agrees too. Uh, every word you just said is true. It's important for Iona this year uh, to be a, you know, a 12th, 13th seed and get a manageable first game in the NCAA tournament. If they make it, they win the MAC Conference. Um, but I'm, when you look at the Iona non-conference schedule, you know, playing uh, uh, Seton Hall, your squad, and uh, playing um, Liberty and playing Alabama and the winner of Belmont Drake. Uh, it's a lot of tough games for Iona. They're going to have to really get off to a good start uh, if they're going to get that kind of seed in the NCAA tournament. Oh, absolutely. But the flip side to that is those are the type of games that you have to sort of get yourself ready to win 
when you get to an NCAA tournament. It's not like, you know, if you don't play schools like that, you're not ready to see that level of talent. I mean, you know, let's say, let's take Monmouth, for example. I, I, don't, I don't know if Monmouth's playing a lot of tough non-conference games, but Monmouth may not see a team of the caliber that they may see in the first round, as opposed to Iona, who gets their chances at playing a school like Alabama or a school like Seton Hall or a school like Drake. Uh, as another example of teams that are NCAA caliber teams, and Patino will have them ready when we get, if if and when they get to the third week of March and an opening uh, NCAA tournament game. I agree. All right, so definitely we have to uh, talk on Twitter, and we got to get you on the show the week before the Iona Seton Hall game. That'll be a good preview. Um, Excellent. Uh, I look forward to that, Jim. That'll be good. So St. John's. Your rival, you're a Seton Hall fan. Uh, St. John's is one of your rivals. We know this. They have a very easy opening game. They did the old Louis Cornuseca cupcake opening game. They're playing Mississippi Valley State. The last time I checked, Patrick, they were 358 out of 358 in the Ken Palm rankings. Hey, that's just the way. That's just the way it works sometimes. Uh, you know, if it's one criticism of what Mike Anderson has done scheduling wise, he has not. You know, let's say stretched out in terms of making his own schedule. I mean, they play Indiana and they play Kansas, but those are two games which were set by the Big East Conference in their showcase things coming up, the, the Gavit games next week, and then the Big 12 Challenge in the beginning of December. Uh, they also play a tough St. Peter's team coming up this weekend. Uh, Casey Nadefo, one of the best shot blockers in the country, is coming back for St. Peter's under Shaheen Holloway. And last year on opening night, St. Peter's took St. John's down to the last minute. Not sure it's going to be that, that close this year because St. John's has a little bit you know, more talent this year. You've got Champagne and Alexander. But, you know, St. Peter's, St. Peter's could give him a test if history repeats itself based on last year. I agree. So uh, we have a lot of Providence fans that called the show. I'll let you know. And um, they're playing Fairfield tomorrow night. I'll tell you why that's an interesting game, Patrick. I went to Iona Prep. Catholic school here in Westchester County. And all the kids that went to the Catholic schools in this county, uh, a ton of them went to went to Fairfield or Providence. So that's an interesting game for my friends that I grew up with. You also got Ed Cooley was the coach at Fairfield before he went to Providence. So in some sense, it's sort of like a, you know, Fairfield sort of, it's sort of like a coming home for Ed Cooley a little bit that he's facing a team that he used to coach, you know, about 15 20 years ago. Uh, not sure how much of a game Fairfield can give Providence. I mean, they're a decent team, uh, but, you know, they're playing in Providence's home opener. So, you know, I, I expect the Friars to win that game, you know, relatively com- comfortably. Providence will have their tests coming up. They play a big uh, back-to-back doubleheader at the Prudential Center right before Thanksgiving where they play Northwestern, and then they probably play Virginia the second night. Uh, so that's something to look forward to if you're a Providence fan playing in the Legends Classic. I agree. All right, Patrick, last word. you got 15 seconds. Make a prediction for the season. Tell me something that's in your head right now that you want to make a prediction about. Uh, if I had to go for it, Gonzaga wins the national championship. Well, that's a pretty good one. I like the Zags. All right, Patrick, thank you so much. You've become a great caller to the show. I'll talk to you on Twitter this week. All right, thank you, Jim. Thanks so much. All right, Patrick, great caller. Great show, folks. I hope we gave you a good season preview. Enjoy the games tomorrow night, the tip-off of the college basketball season. Have a great time, everybody. I'll be back next Monday night to talk about all the games.
you to 